0: I'm Nicole Matthews, Corporate America Dropout turned entrepreneur and owner of The Henley Company, an event travel and lifestyle management firm. It wasn't that long ago that I was dreading my drive to my fancy corporate job each day or felt disenfranchised with the work I was doing. In 2007, I jumped off the corporate escalator and directly into the elevator of opportunity. Today, I'm an author, speaker, educator, and serial asker. I wholeheartedly believe that your life changes when you start creating your own opportunities and making Big asks. Hands down, the business and life I have today is 100% the product of giving myself permission to design the life I want to live. It was Always my dream to work at the Olympics, and by making a big ask, that dream became a reality. I now have multiple Olympic projects to add to my life resume. I created the Big Ask Podcast to share these best practices with you. Whether you're an entrepreneur hungry for revenue generating tips or an individual restless to make a significant change, the life you want to live could be just one big ask away. Get ready to be entertained by real life stories, no filter conversations, and inspired by the daily hustle. So let's get started. This is the Big Ask Podcast. Good morning to the Big Ask Podcast. My name is Nicole Matthews and I'm your host. And I'm so excited today to be laying down track number three. And my guest today is Alan Blunt. My good friend um, with Orange Theory Fitness, Alan. Thank you for joining me today.
1: Oh, my pleasure! I'm excited to be here. Oh,
0: so excited! We have a million things we need to talk about. A million? Yes, okay. a million. I a you slated enough time for uh, this one? <laughs> right, exactly. Um, but I know you are the regional trainer for Orange Theory Fitness, so let's just talk a little bit about what you do, and then we're going to spend a lot of time about who you are. But first of all, for anybody who hasn't been living or who has been living under a rock for the last few years, talk to us <laughs> about Orange Theory and what that all means
1: uh orange theory fitness yeah incredible uh incredible workout program it's um a uh, five heart zone or we focus on five different heart zones it's uh, interval based training and um uh, so launched about eight years ago in florida uh this incredible woman named ellen latham she had this uh wonderful workout program became hugely popular out there and the uh the franchise minds behind massage envy actually reached out to her to package her product basically and bring it to market as Orange Theory. Uh, And they did that successfully. And now we're approaching a thousand studios internationally uh, all over the world. And here in San Diego, uh, I'm the regional trainer for uh, the franchises throughout this county. Mm -hmm. And uh, we currently have about 13 locations with uh, probably another four to five coming in the near future. So... Yeah, we're growing rapidly and it's, uh, it's just been an amazing program. Mm-hmm. Um, more importantly, because of the relationships and just what it's been able to do for people that I think to kind of discover themselves again, right. you know, right. life kind of happens and we all have uh, fitness goals mm-hmm. uh, as well as just personal goals. And it's been great to see the community that's come out of, you know, w- what was just deemed a great workout program, you know, mm-hmm. this fitness product, it's become so much more for so many people uh, and we're seeing that just unfold on a day-to-day basis every time here with Orange Theory. So we're always excited to launch these new mm-hmm. studios because of we know what's you know what's going to happen next. It's going to be the relationships that are formed and, uh, like I said, this kind of rediscovery for people to just find a better version of themselves is cliches that sounds. Yeah. Uh, but we love to see that, and it's just my honor to be a part of that. Yeah. So uh, my job, my role is I you know I train uh, the coaches mm-hmm. and uh, launch help launch the studios. Uh, So that's, that's my ongoing focus as well as ongoing development of the coaches and uh, just helping to establish new relationships and, you know, help uh, with, you know, market outreach. And uh, we do a lot of charitable, a lot of charitable and social events Mm -hmm. um, just to benefit the community as well. So I love the heart behind our business too.
0: Absolutely. And I, and I think when you meet anybody who has been a member of Orange Theory, one of the first things they say is after, you know, it's a great workout first and foremost. Right. right?
1: You sweat a little. (laughs) You you do
0: sweat a little. (laughs) Is just that sense of community. It feels like community is always a word that uh, is used to describe Mm -hmm. the Orange Theory um, fitness, regardless of which studio you go to. And really, you can feel like you can bounce around to any of the studios and really find that that same sense of community. So,
1: yeah. Yeah. And that's one. it's been great. The consistency of mm-hmm. that, uh, this feeling of just acceptance and success. I mean, it's definitely not about blood, sweat and tears. Right. You don't got to crawl out of our okay. studio as some measure of success. You just get to come in and, and just and just try mm-hmm. and uh, and you're supported the entire way. Mm-hmm. Um, so our coaches are amazing. They're all certified. But uh, beyond that, again, the relationship building that right. takes place, again, it just ties back to community. And, uh, and when it comes to fitness, you know, I'm always telling people when you can find uh, fun and fitness, mm-hmm. you know, at the same place, mm-hmm. you know, get on that train and ride it for as absolutely. long as you can. Because that's where lifestyle is created. You know, that's where most people fall off, I think, with their fitness goals is they they're just not enjoying it, mm-hmm. you know, and they they try and they have to dig in deep to uh, make these commitments. And it's it's hard to commit to things that you have this negative association right. to. So uh, we're just really good at making it positive and yeah, fun. Absolutely. And people stick around.
0: And I like the fact that it's always different too. Yeah. So every time that you go to a class, you um, you never know what that class is. It's not like, oh, it's Monday again, we're going to be doing X, Y, Z, right? So you you know, it's always different, but talk a little yep. bit about just what a, kind of the basic principles of an Orange Theory workout is. I mean, there's always the treadmill, there's always the rowing and there's always the weights. Right. And then there's a mixture of all of that together, but sort of how what's the process for setting those classes up? And and is am I correct in that? Across the country, it's the same workout every single day?
1: You are correct. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So uh, out of corporate, we have this incredible think tank of just these exercise geniuses. I mean, these guys are amazing with credentials out the wazoo and uh, they formulate all these workouts for us and and the workouts change every single day. So Mm -hmm. we're coming up on eight years now and we have yet to repeat, you know, a single workout. Wow. Yeah. So it's impressive to think that, but uh, foundationally, we always incorporate cardio power and resistance training in some different fashion. And like you mentioned, uh, we involve treadmills. Um, what is it? Water rowers. Mm-hmm. And of course, a bunch of floor equipment, whether it be Bosu's, uh, dumbbells, bench work. And of course there's natural body weight, plow metrics, mm-hmm. uh, TRX. Uh, so, I mean, anything you could possibly imagine, ab dollies, um, we even have mini bands. Uh, so it's incredible. So to, you know, the, these guys in in Florida, you know, they put together these like ridiculously challenging, you know, on paper, you look at it and you're just like, how can the average person do this? And what's amazing is the average person does it day in and day out. And uh, it doesn't matter what your fitness level is, Mm -hmm. whether you're this elite athlete or somebody who's never, you know, touched a dumbbell in your life before Uh, you walk in and you're going to find your level of success. Mm -hmm. You know, and and I think that's, what's made us so popular is that anybody, anybody can come in and, and really really experience true growth on their terms, right. not anybody else's. Right. Which is, that's,
0: that's the goal to it all, right? Yeah. That's the secret sauce. Um, so in your role um, as a regional director, um, you mentioned that you spend a lot of time with the coaches. And so talk a little bit about what that process is like. What do you look for in a coach? You know, fitness is fitness, but mm-hmm. obviously Orange Theory has something different in in who they hire. It's not just a, you know, a muscle meathead kind of guy, right? <laughs> I mean it's it's people with that come with a lot of knowledge, but I think what comes through the door first is heart and and character. And so talk a little bit about what you look for and how you've created that community of coaches
1: yeah. as well. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. And uh, and you just touched on a couple of pieces right there. Mm-hmm. It's really big and because you're a member. You've mm-hmm. done the work. How you've experienced what mm-hmm. we do. So, you know, uh, I mean, it's not about being a Greek god or goddess, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in terms of being a coach with us. It's definitely about, you know, the person. We do have kind of foundationally five what we call pillars of coaching for us within our, you know, San Diego County, when we uh, seek out coaches and uh, the first thing is, is voice. Voice is really important because you're on mic, mm-hmm. you know, for an hour and you can only imagine <laughs> uh, how, uh, the struggles of a workout if you got somebody with an annoying voice yeah, telling you what to do and what not to do and trying to coach you mm-hmm. with even the best intentions. Right. That. Could be pretty painful. <laughs> um, so voice is really important appearance, you know, to some degree, of course, uh, you want you to come with, you know, we need to know your story. Uh, and obviously if you look the part, it, it serves us well. Um, you know, in the fitness industry, naturally you, you want to typically aspire to those that are quote unquote leading you, mm-hmm. um, in some fashion. Mm-hmm. Uh, so appearance, I mean, to live the part, look the part, be the part is definitely, you know, an important, you know, piece of all of this uh, personality, you know, we want you to be likable. You gotta mm-hmm. be approachable. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's gotta be something dynamic about you. Mm-hmm. Um, in your ability to be able to connect with so many people. I mean, uh, any given workout, you know, we could have upwards of, you know, 50 plus people depending on the studio and how many stations we have. So, for you to be, you know, attractive in that sense, mm-hmm. uh, not so much physically, but I'm saying personality wise, for people to be interested in yeah. you and you truly be interested in others, the ability to carry that kind of personality, have strong relationship building skills, uh, energy, you know, we definitely want you to be magnetic. Uh, there's got to be that kind of that X factor, that it mm-hmm. factor, something special about you. Uh, Cause on paper, so many people have come to us and in incredible resumes, but uh, they're just missing that, you know, what can be a really significant piece. Absolutely. Energy. And I'm not Absolutely. talking about just doing backflips running you know, through right. a room, uh, right. but just uh, a magnetic energy. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, finally biomechanics, really important that, you know, you can identify what proper execution of a movement is and, and the, Obviously execute it yourself, Mm -hmm. um, but to be able to, you know, have your head on a swivel and assess things almost immediately Mm -hmm. um, and uh, have the ability to not just correct movement, but identify something that's done really well. And congratulate those individuals, right. you know, and then find somebody who is uh, performing a movement incredibly well and mm-hmm. maybe is at that point where they're ready to be challenged. Uh, so that definitely comes with some fitness experience, mm-hmm. ideally. So it's kind of those five things, voice, appearance, personality, energy and biomechanics. You mm-hmm. know, there's some other things that are thrown into the mix, multitasking. um, but ultimately those kind of foundationally are what we deem our pillars when we're mm-hmm. looking for a coach. And uh, we're ironically having auditions coming up here. Oh, okay. You know, Give a plug up, for yeah. that. So yeah. what <laughs> does that
0: mean? What does that
1: look like? Oh, uh, uh, So auditions are, they're a lot of fun. I mean, they're, um, it's been great we've been hosting auditions obviously now we've been five years here in uh, San Diego, multiple studios, and uh, the process is just um, you know I don't want to say we perfected it, but I'm say we're really confident and proud of what we're able to pull through this process but uh, the audition we have a, a number of individuals that have already either experienced a workout, met with head coaches at different studios, uh, so they've been partially, let's say, vetted. Okay. <laughs> uh, and uh, and then we're, uh, you know, we invite them to this audition. It's an open group audition where we put them through partial workout. I uh, want to see them sweat a little, mm-hmm. you know, want to see their movements because okay. again, those five pillars right. is kind of what we're assessing through this this group, this group environment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we take them and uh, they perform some demos. We get them on mic. We've got to hear their voice and uh, just kind of see their personality unfold, you know, in front of everybody. Right. And naturally it's a, it's kind of a nerve wracking environment because yeah. you're surrounded by your peers sure. and you're trying to put on this face. And, you know, we always, we do our part as best we can to try to make them feel comfortable and relaxed. And uh, I always tell them, please don't, you know, don't put on the mask that you think we want to see. Let right. us get to know you because transparency is the best thing that'll serve both parties. Right. So the sooner we embrace that, the better outcome we'll have. And for some, it's just a challenge to yeah. <laughs> even grasp that, not, you know, yeah. that concept. Others, they're really good at it. And, um, We'll make some selections out of that whole process. Uh, they perform some demos. so We're able to see movement and see how they interact with others. We do a round robin, a group interview process as well to see, number one, hear their responses, mm-hmm. but also see how they interact with their peers in that you know, particular group that they're in. Uh, so we learn a lot just through this you know, one to two hour audition process. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, then we invite them to a formal interview those that we want to move forward with. And uh, that's where myself and other members of the regional team, the owner, uh, will sit down and we'll have, uh, you know, more in-depth questions and really dig into who they are as an individual. This is where you mentioned the heart of a a person. This Mm -hmm. is where we really get to kind of know them uh, as best we can. And hopefully out of that, then we'll make a formal invitation to our actual training process. Mm -hmm. So it's a multi-step process. And that training process, this is where we uh, then certify them to be Orange Theory fitness certified okay Uh, so at this point we've already established whether or not they're you know have some type of personal certification or group instruction certification uh, or collegiate training something Mm -hmm. Um, but then we invite them to our training process which is about a week process uh, one week process and it's 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 pretty extensive. You know, Mm -hmm. we definitely learn more about them and they learn about us, you know, and I always make it clear, typically getting through that process, we find uh, people are kind of one of three things. One, maybe they're just, they're not a good fit for us. Um, vice versa, Mm -hmm. maybe they find that we're not a good fit for them Mm -hmm. and others sometimes will find that, um, the process just moves too fast for them. So it's not that they're not capable. It's just sometimes a process, I mean, it's all time sensitive. Mm -hmm. So we got to keep moving and make sure we're investing in the individuals that are keeping up with the process. So we've had coaches that have actually had to, we had to release from the training process Uh, days in and uh, they end up coming, you know, they audition again later on, you know, later in the year or the next year. We have a coach in particular, he auditioned with us uh, four different times actually, Uh, went through training and we kept cutting him. him. (laughs) I mean, God bless his soul, man. (laughs) But the fortitude and his commitment, and he just knew what he wanted. And that was so impressive, you know, and that's a, it's a great story to reflect on because he was clear on what he wanted. Right. So despite all the, I'm sure the naysayers and uh, and the fact that he was getting cut yeah. on multiple occasions and sometimes for the same reason, man, you can imagine how yeah. that load, I would imagine, will get heavy for somebody, but he stuck with it. Right. And be, he's now one of our better, I mean, just stronger coaches. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a, it's a huge success story on his, yeah. you know, on his part oh, that's awesome. and our part too. We're yeah. definitely winning and sort of the members, but uh, it's a pretty extensive process. Um, we're, we're very, you know, our coaches are great.
0: They are great I mean, people. I just
1: honestly, mm-hmm. great people, mm-hmm. amazing in a room. Right. And, uh, and we're always, we have such a strong culture of feedback. Back mm-hmm. uh, amongst our our staff and uh, our organization, it starts from the top. The culture mm-hmm. we created is it's pretty it's it's very feedback based because right. um, we know that through you know uh, I guess through more information, opinions of others, we're able to understand that we all have the same intention to grow sure. and benefit our members. We're just we just keep getting better and better. Yeah, you know.
0: And I think you guys do also what you do really well is um, the uh, the online community that you create. As well, you know, you um, it feels like the coaches are always posting from a class, or you guys are at a beach party, or something where there really is again going back to community. There's no better word for it than that. But how has social media sort of changed the dynamics of the fitness industry as well? Do you think?
1: Oh, geez, it's been it's been huge. I mean, you can see there's just been an onslaught of um, even just online, you know, uh, fitness programs Mm -hmm. uh, where literally, I mean, you're just kind of doing workouts from your home with Mm -hmm. the guidance of you know somebody across the country, right, providing you with information, whether it's workouts or nutrition training um, or just motivation. Mm-hmm. But with us, how we've leveraged social media has definitely been the celebration. Mm-hmm. It's the ongoing celebration of we are where we are and we love where we are and we're excited about what's to come and where, Mm -hmm. you know, where we want to go. And uh, so whether it's, you know, in a class or after a class Mm -hmm. or before a class, sitting in a lobby, or like you said, our social events, which we're very, very uh, keen on. I mean, we constantly, we fill our calendars Mm -hmm. uh, at every studio with, you know, these, these, just these, uh, yeah, social events. We go out and whether it's a little beach party or just meet up at a local pub Mm -hmm. or restaurant, Or in studio, you know, Mm -hmm. we just shut the doors and blast music, you know, bring in, uh, uh, you know, drinks and food and just have a good time with the people. Right. And it's just a great place to just, again, continue the celebration, you right. know, and it doesn't have to involve burpees or pushups. Or anything. <laughs> Thank God for <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, we play. We <laughs> absolutely play. And we take great pride in, yeah. in playing.
0: Right. Yes. Yes. So so tell us a little bit about your background and how you came into fitness and eventually into Orange Theory. What What's the previous 15
1: years of your life look like? Well, yeah, for me, it was, uh, I've always been pretty athletic. You know, I grew up playing pop Warner football. That's kind of where it all started for me. And, uh, God bless that man. My stepdad actually brought me out to, um, yeah. Played Pop Warner. And I was, I was deathly afraid. I remember it's such a vivid image. It was down in Southeast San Diego. Okay. The ESD Balboa Raiders. <laughs> hey. I mean, it's not the best. It wasn't the best area. Um, and, uh, yeah, a lot of, just a lot of gang activity down there and, um, just low income. Mm-hmm. And, and I didn't know, I didn't know anything about group sports. You know, I knew I was interested in, in football and, uh, my stepdad wasn't the greatest man, but this was something that he really did. Uh, I think for me that I just I'm grateful for, sure. eternally grateful for. But I remember he brought me to uh, the the signups registration day, and um, there's this huge park down. It's Hollywood Park, and we're at the top of this hill and uh, looking down in the parking lot and in the the grass fields. And there are, I mean, to me it looked like thousands of people down there. Maybe a hundred, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it looked like thousands, and I saw all these kids running around and. Um, I was, I was so, I mean, honestly, I was just scared. Yeah. I was absolutely, I had no idea what was going to come out of all this. And, you know, all these people that I didn't see, and I I did identify some, and I knew, I mean, there's gangs, they had the Bloods and we had Crips. Okay. And there were yeah. some kids that I knew that were, you know, I was part of the Crips, you know, Blue was our our okay. thing. <laughs> and I saw some kids down there that I knew were not Crips, that were Bloods. And, you know, there's uh, all these other gangs. And I mean, everybody was kind of out there running around and I was just, I was like, you're sending me to the wolves right now. Right. I don't know what's about to happen, and we go down, and uh, you know, I get registered, and I'm just like I was on the verge of tears. I remember holding my helmet as part of the whole registration process. They're assigning equipment, and uh, and so just
0: to pause, what age are you?
1: Oh man, I was Seven or eight. eight. Okay, yeah, seven or eight. so a little tight. Oh, little yeah. guy. yeah. And I'm holding my helmet, and I'm just afraid, and he's you know stepdads hold my hand this whole time. And he's telling me to go off and, you know, play with the kids. I'm like, you don't understand. <laughs> I can't play with these kids. <laughs> what are you talking about? I'm just trying to find somebody I knew. Right. And I didn't. And, um, But anyways, uh, uh, yeah, my dad took me that day. I was registered, got, you know, got back in the car and then the tears started coming out. And this is when I was just, I felt like I was, I was in trouble now. Mm. Like now I, this is my first feeling I think of without understanding what commitment was. Yeah. Knowing that I'm locked into something now, you know, which I've never done before. And, uh, so now I was, now I was nervous. Little tiny bit excited, yeah. but really nervous and just afraid. Didn't know what was going to happen, but uh, it turned out to be the best thing for me. Yeah. You know, definitely kept me out of trouble. A lot of my friends out of trouble and best relationships were being formed now mm-hmm. and, you know, group sports, which I, I love. I'm a huge advocate for that. And uh, anyways, that took me all the way through, you know, Pop warner uh, high school, a uh, little college. And then, um, so I was always pretty athletic, but I got married really young. I was 20, 22. Okay. Yeah. I got married really young and, uh, my, she's not my ex-wife, but, uh, she had a, she had a daughter that was, um, uh, she's six months at the time. And when I, when we got married, you know, we knew it was a big decision that we were going to have to make. And, uh, cause she was already a, a mom yeah. and I was going to be an insta father basically. Right. And so I needed to know that she was okay with me being her, you know, her daughter's dad. Yeah. Uh, and I say fortunately, but it's such a mixed message, but her dad was gone. Okay. He just kind of disappeared and took off. And uh, for me, I felt, well, that's actually better for me. Absolutely, um, yeah. Less absolutely, distraction yeah. and I can, you know, we can just focus on each other. And and we just got married and immediately I'm a dad. Yeah. And uh, then we had my son uh, a couple of years after that. and um, And then I got fat. <laughs>
0: I got
1: fat. Here's here's the beginning of my fitness story.
0: Then I got fat. Okay. That's not at all where I thought that was going.
1: Surprise. Turn the corner. Here he comes. No, we, yeah, I just started, you know, I got married and just started, you know, doing less and eating more. Okay. Honestly. And um, yeah, I got chubby and uh, I remember we moved to Texas. My wife had a, a job opportunity out there and I remember one morning and I bend over to just pick something up off the bathroom floor. I was getting dressed and my belt buckled. Some there was some, I mean, stabbing pain in my gut. Yeah. I thought like an appendix burst or something <laughs> happened. Right. And I, you know, I get up real quick and there I felt like I saw myself for the first time in years oh. in the mirror. And I realized my belt was just gouging my gut. Oh my gosh. And I look at myself, I'm like, what the hell happened? <laughs> this round mound, to rebound. Look at this guy. <laughs> This is why my son was calling me Chubbs. <laughs> that was his little nickname <laughs> for me. And Doughboy. And all these little names started popping up. And I'm like, oh, this is it. Yeah. This is, this is what I've become. And I thought, this has got to change. <laughs> Daddy got to get real. <laughs> so, man, um, immediately, you know, I started looking around uh, for like um, workouts, boot camps, anything, and got involved with some outdoor boot camps out there and I started getting really active and uh, started making some better nutritional choices (laughs) uh, and started losing weight Okay, and thought, okay, this is it. I feel like I'm starting to regain life. And no matter what was going on, you know, financially, socially, anything in my world, I knew that I controlled this. Like nobody could take this from me. Sure. So it was all on me and I owned it. And so I just started losing weight. I ended up losing like overall it was like a 50, about a 50 pound trans transformation. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Lost like 30 pounds of fat gained like 20 pounds of muscle, 15, 20 pounds of muscle and just nice transformation. Yeah. So happy about it. And, um, but still wasn't where I knew, you know, I felt like I could continue to get better and progress, but I was happy to go through that transformation and to see progress. And then, uh, my ex and I went up getting divorced in Texas, and I immediately I moved back to San Diego. Okay. Because this was home for me. Sure. We actually met in San Diego uh, back in the sixth grade.
0: Amazing. Isn't that
1: wild? I know. It seemed like such a great story. And then <laughs> and then it, done. <laughs> and then you got fat. <laughs> and then, yeah, then I got fat. And she was like, I'm out. <laughs> no. Uh, so, yeah, I packed my bags and, um, Came right back to San Diego and started. I launched some outdoor boot camps out here and started just staying active and trying to help people and stay on my fitness journey mm-hmm. as well. And started thinking, you know, having to get trying to start to think about financially, what was I going to be doing long term now? And I wasn't trying to rush it because I just came out of this. You know, it was an 18 year marriage. Yeah. And um, you know, there's a lot of sadness involved and a lot of happiness, of course. Uh-huh. But I was, I just wasn't trying to rush anything. I okay. just felt like let me just take some time and uh, then. I ended up meeting Pete Selner, the owner, franchise owner here in San Diego of Orange Theory Fitness. And um, I kept running into him at a Starbucks next to our first location here in San Diego. Actually, not the first location. Second location is Point Loma. Okay. And um, he was in construction and right next door is a Starbucks. And uh, so I kept, I kept meeting my clients in Starbucks and I kept seeing Pete Mm -hmm. there and knowing that he was fitness, I was fitness. We ended up just naturally having some conversations, kept bumping into each other. And it was like instant bro love. It it was great, the relationship we were able to form so quickly. And, you know, I'd bounce things off of him. He'd bounce things off of me. And he kept asking, you know, if I would help him with their weight loss challenge once they opened doors. And I thought, of course, man, whatever you need. And it was just this great friendship of kind of helping each other. And it culminated into uh, him saying, you know, I I got a corporate trainer coming in to coach or train our coaches. And I'd love for you to have the opportunity to be, you know, a coach if ever that's something you want to just do, because maybe you can help out in that regard. And I thought, man, if it helps, absolutely. Yes, Let's let's do this. So I went through the training and fell in love with everything now. already love Pete. Yeah, Fell in love now with the fitness product and what was to come. Fell even more in love with Pete's vision Mm -hmm. and his love for people and what he wanted to do with all of this. And that's when I was bought in. Yeah, From that point, uh, yeah, my real fitness journey, I think, kind of started in terms of Orange Theory. Okay. And uh, yeah, became a head coach with our Point Loma studio and Mm -hmm. then regional trainer eventually. And we, once we locked down processes and, um, a good leadership team, mm-hmm. then we knew we could replicate pretty quickly. Yeah. And, uh, that's what we did. I mean, at one point we launched five studios in about a six month period. Oh my gosh. And that was insane. Yeah. I don't even know how that happened. Yeah. It's one of those things that just yeah, happened. It just and now we look yeah. back on it and say it happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, so we're super excited and, uh, the journey continues. Right.
0: So let's go back to 22 year old Alan, brand new father, new husband. What is that like? What's going through your head at 22?
1: Oh man. It's one thing
0: to be in love, but it's another thing to make a commitment to a woman who already has a child, right? Especially a child that young, you know? So what is that? What's, what are those thoughts in your head?
1: Uh, well, one, I think I, I think I grew up pretty quick. Um, just my childhood coming through, um, my mom was this little four foot nothing Filipino woman, you know, uneducated, definitely un-Americanized. I mean, she, uh, you know, her job or her goal, I'd say was in the Philippines, get a, find a sailor, become an American citizen. Uh, (laughs) And, uh, I got two older brothers, you know, she, uh, she found my dad, they got married. Uh, oldest brother was born in the Philippines. Second oldest was, uh, he got stationed in Japan my other brother was born there, and then he got stationed in Guam. That's where I was born. Okay. Then he got stationed in Hawaii, and my younger sister was born there. So my siblings, we all had the same mom, dad, and uh, it was about six years old. We um, uh, moved from Hawaii to San Diego, and all of a sudden, my dad was just gone. Hmm. Like he wasn't he wasn't showing up anymore, mm-hmm. and it was the weirdest thing. And I remember asking uh, you know our mom about it, and there was never any real answer. It was just. He just wasn't around and and we were kids. We just kept playing and, Mm -hmm. you know, we'd come home and eat and sleep and then go do it again. Right. And um, come to understand then that my dad was now like officially gone. It was just my mom with four kids. And again, uneducated, she uh, ended up having to get like three assembly line jobs. And uh, so we just never saw her. She was gone. Sun up. Um, I don't even remember seeing her in the mornings and not until late at night, sometimes when we would have, uh, you know, dinner, I guess, but, uh, she was gone a lot and, uh, we ended up having to move to the Southeast San Diego, mm-hmm. which again, wasn't the best area at the time. Um, uh, but we just lived in this little, little two bedroom apartment. It's probably about, I don't know, 600 square feet. It's pretty tight. And, uh, my, you know, my siblings and I, we all slept in the same bedroom and, uh, my mom ended up bringing home this man. And this was the wildest thing. I remember seeing him a few times. It's a big black guy. And uh, one, I was probably the, maybe the fifth or sixth time I think I saw him. And we didn't really interact. This guy was just kind of showing up. And uh, my mom said, she grabbed us one day and just me and my brothers and said, you need to call him your dad now. Oh. Yeah. That was oh. our introduction. <laughs> you know, you need to call him your dad. And this wasn't a, he wasn't present. She was just saying like coaching us. Okay. This is your dad. Now you guys need to call him your dad. And I was, I thought, okay, okay. It sounds yeah. like a plan. Right. Um, my brothers were like, are you crazy yeah. Yeah, woman? Yeah. Right. Oh, that's not our dad. What are you talking about? You know, they, you know, they were digging deeper. They wanted mm-hmm. answers and I was young. I didn't care. I was just like, all right. Right. Let's go out and play some football. Oh, yeah. And uh, uh, so anyways, he turned out being uh, an abusive alcoholic. Mm. Yeah, it was pretty tough. And, you know, he used to hit our mom and uh, that was just kind of our our livelihoods growing up. Cops were always at our place. He was always getting arrested for something. And wow. that's one time he drove the car into the living room, <gasps> uh, backed into, yeah, took down nice chunk of the wall or literally, and it was this broken down apartment complex. So management wasn't. Not thrilled about that. Yeah, were thrilled, nor were they interested in fixing it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. Anytime soon. Right. They wanted us to pay for it all. But uh, my my stepdad was in denial saying he, it wasn't him. Of course, you look at half the wall stuck to the back <laughs> of the car. <laughs> a little hard to deny. <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. but um, uh, I remember friends would walk by and for a while they'd stick their head in the wall. Just, you know, hey, you guys coming out? Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, winter sucked with that big. Hole I was just the gonna wall. say, right? <laughs> Good thing it doesn't
0: snow here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but um, that was just, you know, we we went through years of that, and finally, my mom was married to this guy for about twelve years, and uh, finally divorced, and uh, it was just tough, and it took a big toll on her physically. Mm-hmm. She was, um, she just went through a lot, and emotionally too, you know. And just my brothers were there's a lot of animosity, mm-hmm. you know, that happened, um, and that they harbored because. Like one of my brothers just felt like my mom let our family fall apart by bringing this man into our lives. And, uh, and I know my mom, her intent was simply to provide for us, do whatever she could as a mom for her. I'm sure she was just thinking sacrifice for her kids. Um, So it was just a sad story all the way through. Uh, We had our moments of happiness, no doubt, but uh, it was tough. And I think that's, I'm just going back to this idea of just kind of growing up fast. And so at 22, I just felt like I was ready, you know, and I was, I'd met my ex, uh, like I said, in sixth grade, and we went through high school and we dated a little bit in high school, and it's just, it was great. We were great friends, like, you know, BFFs for a long time, even. Uh-huh. She ended up moving to uh, Hawaii and met this guy, and we were writing letters to each other, staying yeah. in touch. And uh, I was at her wedding when she got married. Okay. I was at the hospital when our daughter, her daughter, uh-huh. Courtney, was born. And. And so things just kind of happened that way. And so I just felt like I knew her well enough and I knew myself well enough mm-hmm. that I was I was done playing. I didn't want to be at the clubs anymore. I wanted to yeah. start a life. And she was that one for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we made that decision and it was kind of forced on us In a sense, I mean, I I knew that uh, I had proposed to her and we wanted to quote unquote, do it right. Mm -hmm. So uh, she was living with her mom at the time and I was at my parents' or my mom's with my mom and we didn't want to come together too soon prior to marriage. And uh, we were so proud of that decision. Uh And so here we are affianced and doing our thing, living our lives. And um, her mom remarried some guy, uh, this Irishman and who did not approve of an interracial relationship. Okay. So it, it, it hit us one night. Um, my ex called me probably 10 o'clock at night crying, you know, and just saying, please come get me, get me out of here. And I thought, I'm, I hustled over, mm-hmm. didn't want to ask why, just knew, mm-hmm. let, me, let me get her. And I uh, picked her up and found out that, that all of this unfolded, that uh, her mom basically came into her room and just said, Alan's no longer welcome here.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: And um, so she thought, and this is, I feel so bad for her. She thought, wow, okay, me and my mom have to leave. Mm. Her mom said, well, you can go, you know, yeah. I'm staying. And, uh, and so she just felt entirely betrayed by her own mom. Oh, wow. Like, like you're picking a, a bigot, a racist. Yeah, over to Yeah, mm-hmm. over your daughter
0: mm-hmm.
1: and, your, and your granddaughter mm-hmm. and your future son-in-law. Right. And it's just wrong. So to her, it was, you know, there was, it was clear black and white, black and white, no yeah. pun intended, yeah. but right and wrong. Um, so... That was tough for her to have to go through, but we ended up, I picked her up that night, and we lived in a hotel for, you know, the first three months of our relationship. Oh my gosh. That's where life began for me in terms of being a a husband and a dad. You know, we didn't need the paper to formalize the marriage at that point because we knew it was, you
0: know, Mm -hmm. it started. Yeah.
1: Uh, So yeah, that's what kind of pushed us into it. But nonetheless, it was going to happen at a pretty youthful age anyways.
0: Yeah. So... I'm, I, I'm fascinated by the story of your childhood because every time I am in contact with you, it's like a ray of sunshine. You you have just this positivity that surrounds you, right? You have made a choice, I think, to live in a place of positivity. And, and I really do think that is a choice. Um, it would have been very easy for you to grow up and say, I'm a victim mm-hmm. of that I'm a product of my childhood, right? When in reality, at some point you said, that is my reality of a childhood, but it isn't the destiny of my life. So where did that come from? How did you, was it a conscious decision? Have you always been positive? Like, you know, why have your brothers stayed in a place of animosity and you've chosen to move
1: forward in your life? Um, You know, I, Wrong. I think it was because of my brothers kind of mm-hmm. sitting back and, um, you know, I was just, I think I was just observant uh, and seeing, seeing the consequences of, I guess, their reactions mm-hmm. to, you know, a lot of these events. Mm-hmm. And um, so for, yeah, for a good while, I, I just would sit back and I guess, fortunately for me, I had two older brothers, mm-hmm. you know, that were kind of stepping in front and, and in some cases probably taking the blows for me. Um, which may have had a, a different impact on sure, me. Sure,
0: sure.
1: But uh, I, I was, I, I guess I, I consciously did make decisions, you know, based on, again, just seeing what was happening with, mm-hmm. with them a lot of mm-hmm. times. And, um, you know, and both of them are doing great now, mm-hmm. which is amazing. Good. Uh, definitely still some long-term effects, mm-hmm. you know, out of what happened growing up. But um, yeah, I think sitting back and just watching mm-hmm. and, and learning Mm-hmm. Um, and reading helped a lot and, uh, tr- really trying to make sure that, uh, I was in the, just the right group, the right environment, right. Uh, of people, mm-hmm. you know, trying to keep as much positive language in my life mm-hmm. and, and also being conscious of internal language. Mm-hmm. How was I talking to myself? What right. was I saying? And, uh, cause that's what we're exposed to all the time. Absolutely. And starting to really experience the power of that. I think is what, you know, I started creating those habits
0: mm-hmm.
1: of just always keep positive self-talk, you know, mm-hmm. a real thing mm-hmm. and, and try sharing that with others and, and, see, and see what the, the effects are on, on others. And when I started to see just a lot of positive growth,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, beyond myself in the circle that I'm in now. And yeah. then it became a question of how, you know, how much bigger can the circle get? Right. And let's, let's find out. Right, yeah, so I really appreciate you saying that I'm yeah. a ray of sunshine. That's yeah, sweet. no, you always Love are. That. You
0: always are. So what lessons do you instill in your children? Then, what do you make sure your kids have that you didn't have as a, as a child?
1: Um, one that is, uh, is that everything's, it's going to be okay. Like everything's, it's going to be fine. And, uh, oh, you just made me think of a, this is a great, this is a great <laughs> one right here. Okay. So with my kids, my ex and I, we always love these opportunities, just kind of surprise them. Okay. And uh, one day they were playing. Anthony was, I think, six. My daughter was eight at the time. And um, they were throwing a, a football in the living room. And uh, my ex and I were standing up on kind of a upper upper deck and we're watching them. They didn't know. And they're throwing this football and they end up hitting this decorative, like we had this ostrich or emu egg. It's a okay. big decorative egg. And it cracks. Oh, boy. Oh, man immediately Anthony just tears and Courtney is just like <gasps> covering her mouth and now she goes over to console her little brother because he's like we're in trouble no, yeah. no we shouldn't have been doing this and um, she's holding him and and she's saying we have to tell mom and dad and he's like but we're gonna get in trouble <laughs> yeah and she's like we have to tell them and I duck back into the room you know with uh, my accent we're like all right we got to shake things up yeah. because <laughs> yeah. they broke an egg, whatever. Yeah, It was the first time they broke anything, right. you know? Right. Um, so I said, all right, let's, let's surprise them with something. Uh, my wife and I talk, come up with this little plan and here they come into the room. and We're just sitting on the bed and Anthony's just bawling. He's so sad and Courtney's crying and she's, you know, she, she, they confess, they have thrown the ball and they shouldn't have been doing it. And mm-hmm. they broke the egg and they said, they'll put it back together and everything. And, and uh, they're really sorry. And, I ask Anthony and Courtney, I say, so what do you guys think we should do? What what should we do to you guys? And Anthony was like, we should get a spanking. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, instead we say, this is what's going to happen. You guys go to your room. And Anthony's like crying. Yeah. Go to yeah, your room. It's it's get coming. Get dressed. Yeah. We're going to Chuck E. Cheese. <gasps> We're going to celebrate. Because <gasps> we got Fat Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got Fat Daddy in the house. This is what we do. <laughs> We said, this is the first time you guys ever broke anything. And we totally thank them for, Mm -hmm. you know, being honest about it. And we said, if things happen, it's okay. Um, Things in life are going to continue to happen and it's okay. Just confess to things, acknowledge, correct, and learn. And let's, let's grow. Right. And uh, and in this case, it was let's go. Right. <laughs> let's go to Chuck E. Cheese. So they were it was it was probably the best. I mean, we've been to Chuck E. Cheese so yeah. so many times with the kids. <laughs> Sorry to confess <laughs> all you nutrition junkies out there. <laughs> um, but anyways, uh, it, that night at Chuck E. Cheese was probably the biggest smiles mm-hmm. and just the strongest sense of happiness I right. could ever experience with those kids right. at Chuck E. Cheese. It was different. Yeah. Uh, and but I think
0: you also created the a safety net for them too yeah. in terms of something bad happened, right? Oops, mm-hmm. I made a mistake, but mom and dad can always have my back. Yeah. You know, the lesson was learned, we broke it, right? That we can't ignore that. But at the same time Mom and dad, you know, as long as you're honest and you come to mom and dad, we got your back.
1: Yeah. And we'll get through it together. Yeah. That's the that's stability in yeah. life, in the family, especially in a family environment. So important. Absolutely. You know, and I guess in any community, when you can find that kind of stability, that emotional security. Yeah. Man, so many great things can come out of that. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Growing up, the uh, obviously a strong lack of stability. Uh, my mom was always having to, you know, conceal things, keep secrets. Mm-hmm. I remember getting kicked under the table so many times when we were just talking uh, in front of, you know, my stepdad. Because yeah. apparently we said something that we shouldn't have said that mm-hmm. my mom mm-hmm. disclosed to us that we didn't mm-hmm. know was supposed to be a secret. And right. um, and it was just, it was tough because then we just, we never felt safe. Never yeah. felt, uh, yeah. never even felt like we were we understood. Yeah. You know, and just this the sense of lost mm-hmm. was um pretty constant. And um, so that's why we, you know, we found our our networks outside of the home. Yeah. It had to be with friends and um, for me fortunately, I was I was finding some pretty good friends.
0: Yeah. You know? Which makes a huge difference.
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: Because it could have gone either way. Could have gone that's either the way. Truth.
1: <laughs> yes. That's the truth. Yeah.
0: Yes. So you um I know are an aspiring author. Yes. Okay. So aspiring. I know that right there. That's where we're going to spend a minute. We're going to talk about aspiring because you're talking to a girl who's already written about it. I know. Thank you very much. Um, What's the problem? Why haven't we started? Why are we still aspiring? Okay.
1: You know, it's so funny. When I sent that, I I knew. (laughs) I was even cringing writing aspiring. I was like, why on earth would I do that? I just need to be an author. Mm -hmm. And um, so I started writing. Okay. So I guess aspiring in the sense that I'm just in the process. How about that? Can okay. we say that? Um, but yeah, I, I just, I need to continue putting the thoughts on paper and formulating. I remember having a great conversation with you in terms mm-hmm. of how to structure it all. Yeah. You know, I'm starting to get to that point where I need to start kind of structuring. Okay. And um, just not overthinking. Uh, and I find myself, it's so funny because when we're talking to others, naturally, it's yeah. it's easy to say, you know don't overthink. Right. Uh, we're so quick to give, you know, Powerful messages uh-huh. and great insight, right? But when we put that mirror up, it's like, <laughs> yep. oh, here it comes. Here it All comes. right, so yeah, right now you're my mirror. Thank uh, you for this, Nicole. Yes,
0: absolutely. <laughs> okay, so let's talk a little bit about what's 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 drawing you to to write at the moment. What's the message that you feel like
1: you need to share with the world? Um, you know, honestly, it's. Uh, I think it's a, just a universal message, and it, as simple as it sounds, just this idea of just being nice, mm-hmm. uh, just being nice you know not just to others but to ourselves first yeah. I, that's something that i you know i learned in my upbringing was just the more i continued to really keep kind of protect myself and and beyond protection just really invest in myself i was able to be just a, so much more of an asset to others in the world mm-hmm. you know at large and um and and being nice is just something that's honestly it's just so simple Right. And I I think here's that word, we overthink it yeah. oftentimes. You know, um, you know, in this political correctedness, a lot of times we have to stop and consider, is it gonna come out? How's it gonna be viewed? You know, what are other people saying? And um and those thoughts can just can cripple us mm-hmm. and prevent the action, you know, any sense of niceness. Right. Um and so we, you know, we walk past people on a mm-hmm. day-to-day basis. we We neglect the power and, you know, the community that's formed in just a simple uh, gesture, a a wave, a high, a Mm -hmm. handshake, a Mm -hmm. hug,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: you know, just a genuine embrace. So that is kind of the underlying message that I just, I want to consistently deliver. And I don't think it can be delivered enough. Yeah. Uh, And it's such a simple, but so many cases profound Mm -hmm. thing to, you know, to, to live through and discuss and share with people. It sounds so simple.
0: Well, and I think, in given the political climate and just how polarized the world is now, right? It's very hard to sometimes say nice things to other people, right? You know, especially people who don't agree with you or politically or socially. And so, but we have to remember that. You know, Mm -hmm. we have to remember that it all starts with a hello. You know, tell me a little bit about yourself—not what you always believe, but just tell me a little bit about yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think that from what I know of you, that you sort of are a magnet to that. People People are drawn to your positivity and your ability to really just be present with them in the room. There might yeah. be a hundred people in the room, but it always feels like you're paying attention to the person you're talking to. And that's a great skill. You that's, know, I think, yeah. you know, that's a great skill. And I think also given your your background, now that I've learned more, just how you could go into neighborhoods that, you know, aren't shiny, white neighborhoods and really convey that message too yeah. you know that kids don't have to be victims of their environment you didn't stay parked in that right you found positivity you found purpose mm-hmm. you found community outside of that and living in a two bedroom apartment wasn't going to be the end of your story you know yeah, so know. yeah there's um, much
1: more to come to absolutely
0: too, right? absolutely so um, so where are we in the writing journey what's your
1: process right now for writing Um, it's, it's random thoughts, um, things I just, I jot them down, you know, Mm -hmm. especially on my phone. I just take it out and
0: start jotting down little notes.
1: And, um, and then it's a matter of now, just like I said, organizing it, trying to organize and I I just need to give myself, oh, here's your permission. Oh, there it is. (laughs) (laughs) Permission to, you know, to, to accept what may not be, you know, perfect in my eyes Mm -hmm. and just start, you know, be in that process. So. Right. That's, that, I mean, that's where I am with it, okay. honestly. But, okay. Uh, I want to collaborate more and talk, to, yeah. uh, especially published authors like yeah. yourself. <laughs> um, because number one, it's a strong reminder that mm-hmm. it just needs to get done. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm only holding myself back from Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. And that there is a need for the message. Yeah. So.
0: Well, and like you and I have talked about before, and just so, you know, people who are listening know, what my process was, is that it really comes down to what your good outline is right? So what are the 10 things, the seven things, the whatever number things, what are those things that you want to convey? So at the end of the day, when the reader is finished reading the book, I want to walk away with these 10 nuggets from Alan, right? Mm -hmm. So so first, let's get those 10 nuggets down, right? So now we have an outline. And then what do we want to say within each of those nuggets? So if there's 10 things that we want to talk about, one, talking about being nice, Mm -hmm. right? What are the two to three stories that we can talk about that illustrate that point or where we can take the reader on a journey or where there can be learning for the reader, right? And then really what the writing becomes is how do you connect those stories together? So it, it doesn't need to be harder than a really good outline, right? And then the two to three things you wanna say within each of those chapters and then how do you connect that all together? For me, that was the process that worked and why I could write my book in six weeks um, because I had a really strong outline and I, I didn't deviate from that. And so that's what I would encourage you to do is really sit down and say, what are the 10 things or again, whatever number that is Mm -hmm. that when I finish this book, I want the reader to know. And then what, how can I illustrate those points? And then how can I connect those stories together? And I think if you can organize it in that fashion, it might be a little bit easier to sit down. The other thing is, is I know you're goal-driven, right? You're in the fitness industry. Mm -hmm. You're constantly looking to row faster, run faster, lift more weights. If you're goal-driven, then set yourself a goal of, I have to write one to two chapters a week, right? And again, that's how in six weeks you can finish a book. Now, I was uber motivated to do it for some crazy reason. I just wanted to kind of get it over with, if that makes sense, because I felt like if I didn't stay present with it for six weeks, it probably would still be an idea. So just like you would be training for a marathon, how do you train to write this book? How do you commit to carving out enough time Doing that, and I think if you make that commitment to yourself, you might find that it's a little bit easier and less sort of random, right? Right, less well, sort of you random. Uh,
1: Something that just resonated: on the fact that you just put six weeks on there. Yeah,
0: I didn't six realize weeks. that six weeks. Yes, six weeks. So yes, six uh, weeks. I might not be able to run a
1: marathon, but <laughs> I can. <laughs> You run it in six
0: weeks. I run it in six
1: weeks. It takes six weeks to run a miracle.
0: So I was lucky because I had a, I guess I would call her a literary coach. Mm -hmm. I had somebody who um, encouraged me to do it. And so I paid her to do it. It was just like getting a trainer, if you will. And she and I would meet every Monday morning and we would talk about what I was going to write that coming week and very little about what I had written. People want to go back and correct. And the best thing you can do at this point is just get the words on the page. Just get the words on the page. We can always go back and clean it up. We can always go back to expand. But first and foremost, I have to know what you want to say. Mm -hmm. And so um, I would write from Monday until Saturday. And then on Sundays, she would edit. And then on Mondays, we'd get back together again. And we'd talk about the coming week. And then it wasn't until we were at the very end that we kind of went back and said, okay, here's where we could you know, embellish that a little bit more. I don't know that mm-hmm. that story is super strong, you know, that kind of thing. But by moving forward, it felt like progress was being made. I mean, the first time that I looked at my computer and saw that I had typed out a hundred pages oh my gosh, was like super exciting, yeah. you know, and had I allowed myself to get into my perfectionist mode, I would have still been on page 20 because I would have been trying to perfect the first 20 pages. There's always someone who can edit. There's always someone who can clean it up for you, but nobody can say what you really, really want to say. So the best thing you can do is just get those words down on the page and then figure out where the book is going to go from there. But challenging yourself, just you cute pencil in a workout is here's the hour or two that I should write during the day or during the week or whatever it might be. Now, having said that, I'm not really good at At 11 o'clock, I have to be super dynamic and write, you know, (laughs) 40 pages. So I found, I gave myself permission, there's the word, the name of my book, to sort of stop in my day if I felt inspired. So even if I was in the middle of something else, I would sit, if an idea came, then I would sit and I would honor that and start writing. But again, some people are much more like, I want to do it from 10 to 12. I'm going to just nail this out in two hours Others are a little bit more free spirited, but I think in the end, having that end, like that's the day the run happens, that's the day that the triathlon happens, right? I have to get to that place. Otherwise, it's always going to be. It'd be like me saying to you, "I want to lose twenty pounds," and you're like, "In your lifetime, at what point?" Right? Or in the next month, you know. So it's the same. So it's the same challenge I'd put back on you of, "When do you want this book to be done by?" There's no reason you couldn't have this done by. The end of summer, but I'll give you the end of the year since we're halfway Ooh, through the year already. Challenge right? accepted. Exactly. <laughs> High five. Thank you. But why does it need to take longer than that? Unless for some reason you just feel like you don't have enough life experience to talk about what you're wanting to say, then mm. okay, go live a little bit and then come back. But, but if it's really there, if it's already percolating inside of you, honor that by getting those words down on your phone or on the page or whatever, even if it's that you try, you know, that you talk into it and record it and someone else types it, but at least just get that process going, you know? So there's your challenge. I love it by the end of the year done really yes okay i'm gonna
1: hold you to it don't right, think but I, we gotta check in a little more frequently a little then. more frequently yeah, yeah.
0: yes exactly okay so that's that's no problem at all i'm happy to check in all
1: Right, listeners you heard it first
0: yes exactly uh-huh. um and then i know you love to do motivational speaking speaking as well and that's probably just a offshoot of yeah. this book that you're talking exactly. about as well yeah. so who's the ideal audience for
1: you um, well, similar to what you talked about mm-hmm. earlier, you know the uh, uh, the neighborhoods mm-hmm. you know uh, attaching because obviously the story I live yeah uh, wanted want to have that connection and uh, and be that real just a true voice of inspiration mm-hmm. for them so mm-hmm. what's possible and that uh, we don't need to be condemned to the today that we live Yeah. Uh, The tomorrow can be so much better, Mm -hmm. Uh, but we just need to take those steps. Yeah. And uh, so that's definitely, you know, one of the audiences, but um, a large part also, and you'll find this in the book is just relationship building. Mm -hmm. Um, And that serves us well in business communities. Also, any, any level of interaction we have. Uh, One of the things I think that, like you mentioned me being this ray of sunshine, Uh which I love. Thank you for that. Uh, I'm just so genuinely interested other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody has a story and I'm, I'm just truly interested in trying to uncover mm-hmm. any elements of that story, mm-hmm. you know, given whatever time we have together, I yeah. just want to know. And uh, and I think that serves a, a relationship so well.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: sometimes I don't say anything in my interactions with people other than I'm just, uh, tell you know, talk to me yeah, and uh, open up the doors for them to share and uh, through that, some of the strongest relationships have been formed for me. Yeah. As uh, just a listener. Yeah. You know, and so yeah, just being really interested. Uh, so I know that uh, there's relevance in the business realm, mm-hmm. uh, especially sales. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's kind of those two have been, you know, my main focuses.
0: Good. Okay. So, what is your big ask
1: right now? Big ask is uh, help me create those audiences. Okay. Yeah. For anybody out there, um, whether it's a small group or a large group, mm-hmm. uh, you know, deliver a strong message. Um, yeah. So I, the ask would be, help me find those audiences. Okay. Get me in front of somebody or some bodies mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, that are, that are open to being nice. Yeah. That are open to uh, just exploring possibilities and, you know, making, making better choices and trying to create positive outcomes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Good. What are you working on right now that excites you?
1: It excites me. Mm-hmm. I would have to say the, uh, the book and mm-hmm. the make-believe
0: uh, book at the, the moment.
1: <laughs> <you> stop <laughs> it, woman. <laughs> no longer make-believe. Right? No longer. Nope. You heard it <laughs> here. No, we got a date on there. Yeah, now. we do. That's real. Yep. Um, but yeah, then also launching our studios. Uh, we got a few more that we'll be launching. And uh, just uh, you know, this whole Orange Theory fitness journey has been amazing, and I'm so mm-hmm. grateful for it, and uh, all the lives we're able to touch, and yeah. uh, just the people I'm able to meet. So it it all serves also just my true desire to just to speak and share. Yeah. So it's a great platform for that too. So I'm always excited to do whatever I can for Orange Theory.
0: Yeah, it's great. Yeah, good, good, good. All right. Well, we you and I could literally talk. I think for like oh, we've girl. already been an hour. <laughs> and like we haven't even scratched the surface so we might have to do part two at some point but I'm good for that. in the in the nature of time um we end every podcast with our rapid response Uh-oh. fire i'm going to fire some questions at Let's you go. and i just want to know what's like don't put a lot of thought in this what's the first thing that comes to your mind okay Food. yeah <laughs> all right title of your lifetime movie
1: title oh geez you said movies from me that i'm thinking princess bride this is like my favorite movie
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh see he is the perfect man
1: <laughs> all right uh title lifetime movie um it's possible
0: okay good if you could change places with any celebrity right this minute who would it be
1: oh man i i love me some denzel washington all right okay good good i think he has a new movie coming yes out, he so. does okay, equalizer okay. yep Two.
0: okay <laughs> When do you feel happiest?
1: When I make people happy? okay
0: good If you're running for politics, what would be your biggest campaign promise?
1: Oh geez um, it would have to be a community-based um, uh, personal development programs that are linked to schools in in educational system in okay. some regard okay I, I, it needs to be needs to be structured but it needs to be a real thing Yeah not just books that we pick up in audio and podcasts. It needs to be built into the system. Okay, good.
0: Ultimate dinner party. Which four guests do you invite and why?
1: Four guests? Yeah.
0: They can be real, fake, celebrity. You could know them, not know them, living, dead. Doesn't matter. Oh man.
1: All right. Well, I think it's Michael Jackson. Okay. Bringing that man back. That's it. Yeah, Michael Jackson. Uh, I got to bring my guy, Pete Sellner. I love this man so much. Okay. Um, And, oh geez, I got two brothers. They're going to kill me. I'll tell them about it. <laughs> and uh, okay, I got to gotta bring Denzel.
0: Yes. Okay.
1: Okay. And then, oh, my mom, uh, if I could have her back. Okay. Okay. That's that's great.
0: Right this minute, you have to get a tattoo. I think you have some, don't you?
1: I got one big one. It's a big Phoenix. Covers like the left side of my chest. And okay. So one, and I'm done. That's it, huh? That's it.
0: Okay, but but we got to play along. All so right. you got to get one right this minute. Like I'm, I've got my ink pen out, right? <laughs> my ink pen, like my fountain pen. Um, what do you, what do you get right this minute, and why?
1: I get Nicole Matthews <laughs> kissing my Phoenix, <laughs> <laughs> be beak to cheek. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is going to be the best answer that has all ever right. been told in the history of all podcasts. <laughs> I love it. Okay. Well, I don't even know where to go for there, but let's move on to your biggest pet peeve in business.
1: <laughs> biggest pet peeve in business. Um, I would say unresponsiveness. Okay. Just respond. Yeah. Whether it's what I want to hear or not. Yeah. Whether just it's the respond. direction we want to go or not, just respond so we can make some new decisions. Okay.
0: Uh, what is your wish for the next generation?
1: Oh, to be nice. Yeah. To be nicer. Let's,
0: nicer. Yeah, okay. just be nice. When does your light shine the brightest?
1: When I'm around people like you,
0: oh, honestly, sweet.
1: I'm just good people. <laughs> yes. When I'm around good people, it just, I think we create something great. You know, that's for the whole concept of one plus one equals three.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I that's great. That. Good. Uh, you've already uh, sort of done your big ask, right? That's getting in front of audiences to help yeah. you speak. Um, and then also to continue to grow the um, Orange Theory brand. Anything yeah. else?
1: Uh, I'm pretty content with that at this point. Okay. Yeah. Everything else I just want to earn. You just want to ask.
0: Ah, oh, I love that. Okay, good. Well, Alan, thank you so much for your time and for being a guest on the Big S Podcast. You have been an absolute joy and um, I can't wait to spend more time with you. Thanks so much. You have a great day.
1: All right, Nicole. Thanks.
0: Thanks for listening to another episode of The Big Ask Podcast. Like what you heard? Subscribe to and share the podcast with your friends. And be sure to connect with me on social at Miss Nicole Matthews or at Big Ask Podcast. Until next time, let today be the day you make a big ask.